So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance UK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Ms. H and I will be discussing Season 6, Episode 7 of Before the 90 Days. On this episode, Misha and Christian each try to get their respective partners to live it up a little. Statler becomes violently ill waiting for Dempsey. Riley and Violet patch things up, only for Riley to try to get another fight started. Gino thinks Jasmine is cheating on him with Dane. And Tyree finally accepts that he's dealing with a catfish. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dunces, and life lessons. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I am tired because we talked about it offline. I'm in the middle of a move. I'm just, I'm not, move, not a big move. I'm just moving across town, which I think sometimes can be harder moves because you don't, I'm like, I'm not going to rent a U-Haul. My dad's got a pickup truck. And so you end up making a thousand trips back and forth instead of just doing it in one big thing and being done with it. So that's what I'm in the middle of this summer. How about you? Okay. <laughs> I have one more day on the ship. So I am excited for land and yeah. all the freedoms that land give us, like <laughs> being able to eat what you want when you want. <laughs> yeah, not not being on shift time. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that and for some bizarre reason, dinner time is at five here. And I think I eat dinner early, but this is early even for me. Five is early. Like five is five is my five limit is on. so early. I cannot eat. If I'm eating before five, it, it I can't even consider it dinner. Like it's not dinner yeah, until like it's five, and that's like the time? very earliest. Yep. I don't. I don't get it. So yeah, I'll be happy to eat dinner at a normal people's time. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Speaking of things that I don't get, let's talk about uh, what I don't get is why this person's still on the show, and that's Tyree. Oh God, he is. Yeah. So we had two segments from Tyree today. So unfortunately, he's still getting airtime. So we see him in, getting into a car with Lashanti, the sister that's been around all the time, and she asks if he's ready to talk to this guy. Now, this guy is the PI that he hired to get to the bottom of everything, even though I really feel like we were already at the bottom of everything. But he seems like he's afraid the truth is not going to be what he feels, which is that Carmela is real and all of this nonsense has just been somebody trying to, you know, kind of break them up like a husband or a boyfriend or something like that. So they meet with Louis, who is the private investigator, and he managed to find some information. Eventually. Well, he tried to run the phone numbers from the the um, escort site. that nah, They were untraceable. He tried the email um, that they had, and that was only linked to a PayPal account that he couldn't trace that. But the reverse image searches from the escort site did give him a hit. And he kind of warns them that they're pretty raunchy because that hit to a cam girl site. So he shows Tyree her public Twitter account that she uses to get people to her site and Interesting enough, she does use the, the that the model or whatever whoever's doing the cam girl site does use the name Carmela, um, but it's that links to even a different PayPal than the one he's been you know giving money to. That's what the PayPal account is, and her location is in the U.S., not Barbados. So Tyree is just confused. He doesn't see how this cam girl site lines up with the Carmela that he fell in love with. I'm not sure why the cam girl site was the thing that was a bridge too far and not the working as an escort that was a bridge too far. So <laughs> um, anyway, he is finally kind of trying – acknowledging that maybe the pe- person in the pictures and the person he was talking to are different people. So he breaks down and um, like I said, he does say in an interview that he says that the photos are not – he believes now that the photos are not the person he was talking to. Oh, good. Good, Tyree. Jeez. Took you long enough. (laughs) He's hurt and confused and thinks that maybe, but he does think that maybe the cam girl that was in the pictures is working with the person he was talking to to try to scam him. So he's theory again. So he wants to get in touch with her. Well, it does seem at this point, he seems to think the theory is a, oh, it was a tag team scam operation. There's this cam girl. There's this Christian guy. They must be working together, right? He really, really wants to think it wasn't a guy he was talking to. That's what it comes up to. So, but he says he's feel, he feels like he's come too far to stop now and needs answers. Although he's not looking forward to telling all this to his mom. 
So that's what we're going to see next is when he tells his mom everything that happened. So we see Tyree with his other uh, sister, um, Shapreya, who's organizing his mother's pill. He's organizing his mother's pills for the week. And he's finally com- come to the conclusion that, yes, he was indeed getting catfished. But for some reason, he really wants to get a hold of the catfishers and talk to them or something. Um, but he also wants to not be keeping any more secrets. So he's going to come clean to his mom and Sharpea about everything that's gone down. So he makes them nervous by, you know, doing that thing, sitting them down and being like, oh, I have something I need to tell you. And then doesn't like do it quick enough. Like first he's like, well, you know, the first thing I was is I've been talking to this girl who's from Barbados for like four years. And they go off again thinking that she's a real girl. Wait, didn't you just go to Barbados last summer? Were you there to meet her? What happened? All this stuff. Eventually he gets on and says, that's just the tip of the iceberg of a story though because – um, of everything else that's gone down. So he tells them what, what he needs is he needs to get closure. So he's going to go to Barbados um, oh, to try God. to hunt Christian down or something and understand why he did this. So both his mom and his sister say they're ready to act up. You know, they're ready to kind of go come after this person for hurting him. But seriously, what's the point of doing that? So everybody, Sharpay especially is frustrated because they're like, why? What are you doing? What's the point? And he doesn't really have answers for that. So – I don't know. What do you think he'll get out of actually going to Barbados again? More camera time? Yeah, basically. I mean, what else is there to get out of this? It's like to see with his own two eyes. Like, I do not get why he is so, like, insistent on holding on to this scam. You know, it's a scam. And I think he's mm-hmm. finally come to the realization that it is a scam but now he needs to almost like resolve it in his mind that there was some sense of reality to it. Right. So that's why he's like, Oh, Carmela and Christian must be in cahoots, you know, and they're working together and Carmela is somehow tied to him, whether or not she was the one communicating with him or not. Like in his mind, he thinks that, You know, this would somehow be a better situation if Carmela knew of his existence in some weird way. Right. Like, I just, yeah. And so it's like going to see Christian is his only connection to Carmela at this point. And it's like, no, this guy just picks some random. And I'm not exactly sure that Christian even, do we even, or even Sherry lives in Barbados? Like, the only thing we've gotten from Barbados was from what fake Carmelo was telling him that she lived in Barbados, you know? So I'm That's really true. confused. I mean, my, I, I kind of have a slightly different theory about like, just, I need to feel like something was real as I, I kind of feel like it's very similar to the reaction of somebody who finds out they've been cheated on. Right. It, it, it's, right. It's, to me, it's very similar. You know, you're, the, the whole basis of this relationship got pulled out from under you. Right. And so yeah. it, it, and really commonly what the person who has been cheated on wants is they're like, I need all the answers. I'll just feel better if I have every answers. If I know every detail, everything that went on, like that's what I need to move on or to move past it or to heal or whatever. And that's one of those things that you go and you tell that to a therapist and the therapist is like, no, that's not what you need. Like <laughs> that will not right. help. I'm telling you right now that's not going to help. And that feel like he needs that therapist being like, I understand why you feel like you need to know exactly what went down with everyone at what point, but that's not going to help you heal from this. Um, yeah. And I think that's where that stage he's at. He's like, I just feel better about myself and I'll feel better about the situation if I know exactly who I was talking to that whole time and who they were working with and why they were doing it. And He's not, right? Yeah. And I agree. That's a pretty good theory as well. Because I do, I you know, it seems like irrational to us at the moment. Like, why do you need answers? But, you know, I think some people feel that, you know, especially if they feel like a situation where they have absolutely no control over, mm-hmm. right? To get those answers would somehow make them feel more in control or make them feel like there's more closure. Right. More understanding about how the situation was. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
All right, so let's move on to another um, – the other shortest one I have here, and that is Statler and Dempsey. So we have Statler, and she's landed in London, and she knows now that she landed and kind of got the text from the plane ride that Dempsey definitely missed her connecting flight from Thailand, so they're not going to be able to meet until tomorrow. So it's not great for her anxiety because she even like puts out there, well, maybe this is just an excuse, and she doesn't want to be with me, and she's with somebody else. Uh. For like a day? Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. Calm yourself. She's fearing the worst and trying to stay in good spirits since – and this is like the annoy, the part that annoyed me the most is she's kind of like, because this is it. All my eggs are in this basket. I have no other choice in life but this. I've God. bet it all on this. I put all my chips on Dempsey. So their plan originally was for both of them to take a, a train to Manchester, spend one night there, and then drive up to Darlington, which is the rural town where Dempsey is, lives and is apparently, according to the cab driver – Quite cold this time of year. So, like I said, she's in the cab and she takes a cab to the train station where she manages to find the train by herself, which she is is a big relief for her because apparently, you know, London is hard to navigate. I don't know. Everything's in English and everybody speaks English. It's not that hard. Um, but she gets to Manchester about three hours later and she's pretty happy with the hotel. She sees the room and, the, and everything. The only drawback for the hotel is the distance – between like where the bed is and where the toilet is and she's like these are too close together like there's still a door and everything <laughs> but she's just like mm, i'm not trying to have the person i'm about to get busy with like hear me on the toilet but at least <laughs> yeah. while she's alone in the room that was probably a good thing that the toilet and bed were very close together because very shortly she becomes violently ill and spends most of the night on the toilet oh, which God. they actually have to show us for some reason like we legit get a shot of her in her pajamas, on the toilet, being like, like through a door. It's I don't why? understand why oh, we God, had to have no. that visual at all. It was completely no. unnecessary. So much no. So much no. Very much no. So she texts Dempsey about how she might not be able to make it and meet her at the train station because she's going to go to a doctor today. It's like that bad that she's like, this is not a waited out situation. Must see doctor. So she does manage to get herself dressed. She sprays her butt with some something like Axe body spray or something just to be like, and she goes to a clinic. So uh, she comes out of the clinic and says the doctor said she had a parasite. So at least she knows what it is. She has medication to deal with it. And she also gets some anti-nausea medication so that she's kind of feeling better already and starts texting Dempsey about meeting her. Everything from this point on gets very like weird and confusing to me about why they didn't meet because it's very much like texting, where are you? We'll meet halfway. Okay, but where is that? All right, but I'm walking over here. And at some point, she drops a pin. Like, but then she's like, okay, I'll drop a pin, drops the pin, and then walks away. I was like, that defeats the purpose of dropping a pin. And then she's like kind of keeling over, like, because her stomach is still hurting and everything. It's just, it's, Weird and it takes a long time, but eventually, eventually they do get to see each other. And she plays the reveal like it's a Love is Blind episode. She's like, I might be finally getting to meet my wife. But they do end up finding each other. And then within seconds, Statler is talking about Dempsey's mesmerizing eyes and awkward – kind of figuring it – like in the most awkward, indirect way possible being like, hey, can I help carry one of your bags? And all this while Dempsey is just like beet red blushing – like giggling uncontrollably um, out, of, out of anxiety, embarrassment. I don't know. But they're just – neither of them are saying words. It's very awkward. They both admit that we're very awkward people – two awkward people meeting awkwardly. So yeah, and, and Dempsey is like, I still like you. It's weird. They're no, but – and all through all this, no hugs, no kisses. Um, but there are some Hi. gifts – that Dempsey comes. She has vitamins, vegan, vegan peanut butter cups, and then she says she has other things in her bag and we'll get to them when they get to the room. So and, – and Dempsey – I mean Statler also has gifts for her. So um, – but, you know, things are thing, – they seem to have, like be into each other in that awkward way. I mean especially because they have an interview where Statler's like, wait, I haven't gotten to look at your butt yet and then backs up and looks at her butt. It's like nice, nice butt, which – I feel like we would not, you know, be as into if it was a dude that was like, wait, stop. I must look at your butt. Anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, 
it, it's all pretty straightforward and, and it, it, it this is might have been one of those had to see it ones but I guess we'll go back to that why did production think we needed to see her literally on the toilet being sick like that wait why? okay I'm confused so okay so I she was feeling just... all kinds of no sick. who's the her <laughs> oh Statler Statler was the only we okay. only saw Dempsey Statler for the, the very end. Sick. Okay. Yeah, we only saw Dempsey at the very end. It's gonna, it's easier to, be, to remember because like Statler, Statler is seems like a Texas name. That's a Texas name. And, well, I mean, it's not like Dempsey doesn't strike, strike me as British either, but she's very blonde. And Dempsey so like, definitely strikes me as more British than Texan. I don't I, know. Okay, so the so the difficult part for me is that I have literally never seen these people. I only know from your summary. And so it's like to get them, especially when they're both women. So you're using your she, hers. Her and hers kind of and like, she's. Yes, yes, for sure. Yes. And I'm like, which one's which? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, in, so yeah. sorry. I just had to like, yeah, so reconcile that in my mind. Okay. Um, I have no idea. I don't know why they would show that. That seems like super unnecessary. Uh, we get We get it. She's sick. And I feel like. She is not the first person on this show to have been sick by something. And we did not get that much detail. Yeah. Um, I feel bad that she had a parasite. Where did uh, she yeah. pick that up from? Like airplane food? It couldn't have been. That. Does I mean, she was on the airplane. What? I, I don't know how quickly a parasite gets to work. You know, I've never I don't think I've ever had a parasite. Oh, I think like. Pretty immediately. Uh, actually, it was funny. When I was um, in the Philippines, my uh, friend who was traveling with me, we both got sick at the same restaurant. And mine was like very mild. It was uncomfortable, but it was mild. He was straight up like laid out. He actually eventually went home after a couple days and they mm -hmm. thought he had a parasite. So, I mean, yeah. we could identify. It was like the next day. Like maybe 12 hours after. If it's food yeah. poisoning, I've never gotten a parasite. I've definitely had food poisoning, but never like from a parasite um, necessarily because you that does – that's usually that night. Like if I if I ever have food mm -hmm. poisoning, I eat something for dinner. That night I'm you know, in and out of the bathroom all night and then the next day at some point I start to feel a little bit better, right? And that's – that. so I guess it wouldn't – it would – it could be pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I guess either airplane food or – train food or something but it, it seems like it, yeah that's the question is did she pick it did she get it in te did she just have terrible timing and she got it in texas before she left or did she just immediately get sick when she got to england but i mean it definitely was something that i don't know how bad it would have been otherwise because it was compounded by her anxiety and stress about doing this whole thing um, yeah so you know one of those things like i feel like she would have been Already not feeling well and already – Yeah. You know, I, I definitely know a ton of people who stress definitely mess with their digestion, right? And and they get stressed out and things are coming out one end or the other. And to have a parasite on top of that is like, oh, that's just, that just sounds awful. Honestly, I feel like this was kind of a weird blessing in disguise for all parties involved because – had she not been sick, I feel like she would have probably reached out to her ex and tried to meet oh, up with her. That's, that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did get out of London before she was sick. So she was in Manchester. But yes, if you were spending all that night in the hotel, just like twiddling your thumbs, being like, do, 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 what am I doing? Instead of spending all night at the hotel being like, oh, I got to get to the bathroom again. Then, yeah, you might you might have – Idle, some of those idle hands of a devil's plaything type thing, right? You're like, ah. yeah, yeah, that maybe, and we'll, we'll see. They both seemed, like I said, they were self-proclaimed awkward, and the meeting was definitely not smooth. Neither of them are smooth. Statler was just being like, uh, like, hey, hi, uh, hi, and Dempsey was just uncontrollably giggling. Um, but it's that it was clearly that anxious kind of laugh. The I don't know, it was. But, I don't know, they said they were going to do stuff that night, so we'll see how that went. Well, good luck to them. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so let's just jump to people who definitely aren't doing stuff, and that's Gino and Jasmine. Mm. So, yeah, we get some fast motion B-roll of the Panama Canal locks, so that means we're actually getting to Gino and Jasmine, and we're, Gino is finally getting to actually see the Panama Canal, which 
he's been dying to do since they met pretty much because, you know, he's an engineer and, you know, they get there and Jasmine explains how the lock work locks work. I'm pretty sure Gino already knew how locks work, but Jasmine yeah. uses the, she, but then she tries to like, use the canal to make like a kind she's like, oh, you know, it just shows that the U.S. and Panama have always had a love connection. And right. Ha ha ha. And he's like not even paying attention. He's just like looking at ships past like looking straight past her <laughs> at ships like, ooh. Uh. so Jasmine thinks he's been acting all weird, especially since last night, but isn't sure why. So she really breaks. She tries to break down their communication issues, saying like, listen. I'm very much trying to communicate to you right now. Perhaps you should listen to me, <laughs> but he doesn't get it. You know, she's like, we've had some communication issues in the past. And he's like, ah, that's, I don't know. That, he kind of says it's a you problem because, you know, she's like, you know, this, I had the same kind of issues with my ex. And Gino's like, well, I had an ex for eight years and we talked just fine together. And she was like, but you've still got divorced. So was it that good? Like, very confused. It le- then it leads to a dumb fight about how Gino mentioned his ex and Jasmine's like, you know, I don't like you mentioning your ex. And he's like, you mentioned your ex first. What What's going on? So anyway, the real issue here, what's really going on behind all these petty little arguments is that Jasmine is talking to Dane. And last night, apparently dancing was the first time that he realized that Jasmine had dated Dane before they met. So they step away from the canal and Gino really struggles to open a granola bar. They spend a solid minute on Gino trying to open a granola bar package, just just struggling with it. She keeps trying to ask what's wrong before he finally comes clean about what's bothering him. So he says – she says there's nothing going on between her and Dane, but he's not so sure about that. She says you're being crazy and he – she was like, well, this is crazy. And he's like, that's right. It is crazy. And then she starts the nervous laugh and he's like, I don't understand why you're laughing at me. This is serious. Are you cheating on me? So uh, they're talking. And then she says he's just a friend with nothing going on. And he points out the double standard, how he's not allowed to talk to his exes, but she is. And she just states the obvious thing we've been saying. She's like, well, I never sent nude pictures of you to one of my exes. So it's a little bit different. So, oh, she finally played that card. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, right? we've been waiting. Yeah. Right. She's – although she's still not coming clean about everything because she knows that he doesn't know that Dane lives in the same building as her. So she fields some of his questions as it comes out, like how often do they talk? At least once a week. Have they met up in person? Actually, we met a few days before you got here. And then it comes out because we live in the same building. So he's really mad now because he's paying for her to live in that building. And so now he kind of <laughs> is still pretty sure she's um, hooking up with this guy. And she's like, whoa, wait, why am I paying to make it easier for you to hook up with someone? Why am I paying the rent for that? That's not cool. So he asks if they've ever had if – if her and Dane have had sex since she broke up with Dane. And she was like, well, yeah, we had a friends with benefits thing going on for a while. But after I met you, that all stopped. So I said, once I met you, she was like, not like, you know, I decided I was doing that for a while. Once she met Gino, it stopped. So he he also asks if she's even thought about having sex with him since then. And she doesn't really say no, but more like this is like a miscommunication. Not like she was considering having sex with him again, but like, well, yeah, we don't have sex. And I sometimes like to think about when I had sex and it was nice. Um, so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so maybe if her and Gino had a better sex life, then she'd be thinking about Gino instead. So Gino, Gino then tells us that Jasmine's definition of cheating for him, for, uh, you know, cheating when it applies to him is just even talking to an ex. So this is way worse than that. So uh, by Jasmine's own definition, she's cheating on him. So she, he doesn't know what to do. All right. So, I mean... This seems like a weird I – mean, maybe, maybe I'll get your opinion on it because it seems like a weird standard to me to be like, nope, if you've ever fantasized about another person while we were together, that's cheating. Like that's insane, right? Yeah. I mean it's – how can you keep someone accountable to those standards too? Like <laughs> – Right. You know, I don't, I don't know if you really truly believe that if the other person's going to admit to it. You know, because yeah. it's like going to put them in trouble. Um, but I, I don't know. I just 
I feel like Jasmine is only telling him about this and like kind of suggesting like, well, if we had a better sex life, like maybe I wouldn't think about this person. It's all manipulation, right? She's trying to get more out of Gino. I think she's trying to elicit some amount of jealousy, you Mm, know, to get him to be like, oh, I need to step up my game. Otherwise, I'm going to lose this person. I feel like she's trying to kind of tiptoe around that kind of scenario without like, you know, full on being like, other men want me like, you know, you need to step it up because I could leave you. You know, without explicitly saying that, it's like she's trying to set up the pieces so he could figure it out himself. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it. I mean, I I think she's very desperate to find any way to, like, get him to have sex with her at all. But I also think that the reason that's so – that's such a problem is because I totally believe that Gino's using that as a – as his method of having control and of his method of doing that is like – Oh, she'll do like all kinds of stuff for me to try to get if – if I won't have sex with her. Like and she's going to, you know, bend over backwards and she's going to look how nice she's being because she's going to – that's what she wants and that's what she's going to try. So I think they're both, you know, doing their own kind of tricks to exert control. But they're kind of like – I don't know. They're, they're grinding their gears against each other in the way they're doing it, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of with you that I, that she is – yeah, telling him this. It just seems like, I don't know, a weird thing because she doesn't even say, at least I didn't take it as her saying like, oh, no, like, you know, I, you know, since we're, I'm not getting any from you, I go and take care of things myself. And when I do, I'm thinking about Dane, right? As much as she's just like, I remember that fondly. <laughs> like that was, which doesn't everybody do that? Like you're not very supposed to be like, once you're with a new person, you're supposed to pretend like you never had any good times with the old person. Like that just seems weird yeah. to me. Like that's it seems weird, and it's also an impossible standard. Like you're never gonna reminisce. Like that's and not, and obviously you're gonna be like, well, no, obviously that person was wrong for me, and I'd rather I want to be with you. But to like think like not even think about your past. That that's it's one thing to not talk to exes, and they both kind of have that same standard. And that's certainly Jasmine's standard for Gino, which is. Just untenable. Like never mention your ex, any of your exes ever. Like you shouldn't even be thinking about like, you know, how your communication was within that relationship, which is also insane. Like you can't possibly do that. Yeah, that's pretty unreasonable. I mean, honestly, though, I can understand her feeling about like don't mention your ex because it's like, yeah, that's probably really super triggering to her because of what she went through with Gino and his ex you know so I get that but to be like you can never think about that person it's like well you can't really control that right it's like the whole thing like don't imagine this thing and then it's like that person's automatically going to imagine that thing yes if you yes just saying don't think about your ex a picture of my ex pops into my head like because that's what that's what you just mentioned right and right right I don't know I also think it's like I definitely think it's unre- it's it's not unreasonable to be like stop comparing me to your ex. Like that's right. that's definitely a thing that you should not be doing in relationships. Well, you know, when I was with so and so, it was different. She did the dishes all the time. Like that no, that's that's bad. But just to be like which I guess is kind of a little bit well my communication with my ex was just fine. It must be your problem. So that I now that I'm saying it out loud, it might be worse, but like Yes, to be like, no, she like like she's freaking Voldemort or something. And you can't say that her name should never be spoken. No, no thinking banished from everything like that's I don't know. It just it's that's a that's a too heavy of a burden of jealousy for to ask your partner to carry of your own jealousy. Well, I mean, if it's, you know, really motivated by jealousy, because like I said, like she might just have very. Like the mention of his ex might legitimately anger her. Yeah. You know, like to considering me, what's happened, I that's think that's a, like fairly reasonable for her to ask him never to mention the ex if that's how like the headspace she's in. And it's because it's a consequence of his actions with Jasmine. And right, in that but, case, I think it's absolutely fair. 
I, I don't know. I think that to me is a headspace that she shouldn't be in. That's not a healthy headspace for her to be in. And like she shouldn't be angered at this mere mention of someone's name, especially because that someone didn't wrong her. Gino wronged her. Gino did wrong, right? And because yeah. I always do yeah. that. I always get mad at the people I'm not mad. I always don't understand when there's cheating involved or something or something, you know, a betrayal in a relationship, why they get mad at the person who was the other side of it, right? If Gino. Well, had- because the ex is the one who blasted that shit out on social okay. media. That's true. You I'll know? give you that. Yeah, yeah. She she turned around and put everything on social media, right? Which. Yeah, I feel like in the and U.S. you'd be able to sue that ex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I will. I will go back and forth. The ex did directly wrong <laughs> Jasmine on yeah. the, in that case. Yes. All right. So let's move on to. Let's talk about. Oh, I'm going to save that one for last. Let's talk about um, Misha and Nicola. So we start with Nicola introducing Misha to his baby, which is his car. But she's like, I'm supposed to be your baby. So uh, you're bad at this guy. So now they're driving to to Haifa and she's having mixed feelings about the time she's had in Israel so far. It's good that she gets to see the Holy Land, but it's bad that Nicola is being weird about his family. But when they get to where they're going, which I'm not even sure what it is, some touristy spot, they're going to walk in and check things out. And like Misha stops on the walk and immediately is like, stop. I think I might be underdressed. I see people with dresses on and I'm wearing pants. Uh, I, I, I can't do that. And then Nicola points out that uh, that's a bridal party because that lady's wearing a wedding dress. So I don't think it's really a concern. And she's like, nope, nope, I can't do it. If there's people wearing dresses, I, I can't. So she literally jumps into the backseat of the car to change into a dress. Like, oh, God. She just of randomly road. has a – she randomly has a dress with her? She, I, I think she had – I think she literally brought like a bunch of different outfits with her just in case this happened. Um, and she says oh that that's not unusual because of her job. Like she's had to do that from time to time in in her job as a, as a, as a journalist. So – but Nicola just thinks it's weird and he's like guarding the car and is like, uh, hurry up. This is weird. So Nicola explains to us the biblical importance of Haifa, something about the Old Testament and defending mountains and stuff. I don't know. But really wants uh, to, but really brought Misha here to wow her with the beautiful scenery and hoping that's going to make some of the drama melt away. So, of course, it doesn't. Um, she still has the questions um, and things about everything. So, they sit to talk and she asks about the brother and she's, he's like, I texted my brother and we're going to meet him. No problem. See, it's all good. But then he takes the opportunity to talk to her about how he feels like she's rushing too much. Like, why are we all doing this right now? Like, we have the rest of our lives to do this stuff and figure this out. But Misha's not right quite on the same page. She's like, we have two weeks to figure out if we're getting married. So we don't have the rest of our lives to do all this stuff. It kind (laughs) of has to happen in two weeks. So she tells him that if they are not engaged when she leaves, then that's it. The relationship's over. So he thinks that's a step backward for the relationship. And that, again, she's rushing it too far. Like it should be a unconditional relationship at this point that they don't have to rush anything. So maybe she's not all in like he thought. So after dark, we see Misha again in a different outfit and Nicola and Nicola has brought her to what he describes as hell. Like he literally says, this is hell on earth. The central bar area of Haifa, downtown Haifa, where there's bars. Like he's very, very against nightclubs and bars. Like he really hates them. He's like, Look, I hate it here. There's there's nightclubs, there's bars, there's people to look at. It's awful. Just awful. Why would anyone come <laughs> yeah. here? This is terrible. Like they sit down and he's literally like – he literally sits a timer on his phone and is like a half hour. I can stay here for a half hour. That's it. I, the, after that, I have to be gone. So they toast in both Hebrew. They get drinks. They toast in both Hebrew and Arabic. And he says the last time he was in a bar was more than 20 years ago. He says, you know about devout Catholics and how they don't do nightclubs or dancing. Like beer, sure, that's fine. But nightclubs, cigarettes, these are not Catholic things. But Misha gives as good as as she gets. She does defend herself. She says, I'm also a devout Catholic and I enjoy nightclubs and I enjoy my one cigarette that I have on every New Year's Eve, which he really does not like hearing about. So she says pre-conversion, you know, where they're sitting now is pretty a pretty tame 
uh, version of what happened. Like everybody went to nightclubs, her family, her friends, everybody. Um, and she does kind of take this opportunity to ask like, well, you know, and my daughters are getting to be that age. And if you're going to move in with us, are you going to be weird and judgy about them going to nightclubs and stuff and having boyfriends? And he says, well, he's not going to fight with her daughters because that's not their relationship. It's really none of his business. So that's a good sign. But then she does kind of talk him into, you know, for her, for her benefit, getting going into the actual nightclub and not just sitting outside because this whole time they were sitting like on the terrace outside the bar. And she manages to get him into the nightclub, which he thinks are just dens of sin. Um, And then they kind of do a quick cut. And in the nightclub, he's dancing, he's smiling and he's having fun. And he's like, I'm only doing this for you. This is this is this is just for you. So it's very weird. So can you think of, I don't know, can you come up with the reason? I could not come up with, he explained it a little bit in the show about how nightclubs are only about sin, about why nightclubs specifically, like, would be so, well, he considers sinful. I I couldn't figure it out. Uh, The only thing that I could think of is um, the idea of drinking uh, at a nightclub would probably not be okay. And then the other thing I would think of is a provocative dancing. Um, Yeah, I think I think that was it. I think I'm not sure he knows the difference between a nightclub and a strip club. And I think (laughs) he was just like, people just go there to rock at women. (laughs) Well, I don't think honestly, I don't think it would matter to him. The fact that you would be like provocative club dancing a lot of times uh, Mm -hmm. is very close genital region dancing right so right. If like or ass in a crotch or something like that you know like it's i mean provocative it could be. dancing man it, could, it be. could be well okay maybe it could be for individuals but that's most certainly happening with someone in the club yeah, but there's everywhere he goes, there's other people who are sinning. When he's fishing, there's people doing stuff that are, you know, yeah, smoking cigarettes. He considers face. cigarettes a sin too. Just because there's oh, other goodness. people smoking around doesn't mean everywhere people smoke is a den of sin and debauchery, right? Like, because that's what the other thing he did that, that, that I just, he's so, he's very, very close minded, right? And he's just mm-hmm. like, the purpose of dancing is to, He's definitely the kind of person that thinks the purpose of dancing is to more or less show people how good at sex you are, right? Because if you can move on the dance floor, then you can move when you're having sex. Like there is a certain type of gross like internet bro that thinks that kind of thing. Like it's evol- it's just that's that's evolution. Like the only point of dancing is to grind your crotch and so it like you're showing off like you're trying to like you're a bird trying to find a mate, right? And okay. um, that's not right. <laughs> people enjoy dancing because they enjoy dancing. Like there's plenty of people who would be like, okay, you're going to go to this, uh, you know, probably more women because we're a very homophobic society but for as far as men go. But like if you told women you're going to go dancing at a club and there's only going to be women there, a lot of women would be like, cool. I like dancing. I will dance anyway. Right. I, that's fun. I'm not there to pick up a guy. Right. Sure. And I'm not there and I'm not there to gawk at guys that I find attractive. Um, but I feel like he would be like, no, that's not true. That that's no, that's not right. People are there to you know I'm trying to think of what the word is. People are just there to excite one another. That's all dancing is for. Um at least and that's kind of what he said was basically you go in there to get yourself turned on. It was it's so Everything he says when he talks about stuff that he he literally doesn't like just sounds like you don't know what that is, do you? <laughs> like, have you ever, you've never been there? You don't. It just so I don't know where he's hearing this from. I yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I certainly feel like he lives a very sheltered life. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he's okay with that because he's using. You know, these very, very strict religious values as his reasoning for kind of staying in this little bubble. So right. it's going to be interesting because I, I don't care how religious Misha is. She's not from a culture 
that lives or thinks like that. Right. And her previous non-religious life is very much different. So I just I don't yeah. know how I don't I see definitely, how these people are matched. I, no, I don't either. Because I definitely appreciated Misha being like, well, I'm also a devout Catholic and I don't think that's a sin. So like right. we obviously don't all think that, right? <laughs> like yeah. and and so I mean I definitely appreciated her doing that and not being like, oh, really? Is it? Oh my goodness. Because it's I don't know. It, I think that a lot of times, and I'm not against the guy. If the guy legit is like, I don't think nightclubs are fun. It's too loud. It's overwhelming. I can't hear who I'm talking to. I'd rather just have a quiet night at home. That's a completely valid personal preference. But yeah. don't wrap your personal preferences up in. Actually, my religion tells me I have to hate it. Like, don't do that. <laughs> just say you don't like right. it. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. Um, let's move on to um, oh, Riley and Violet. This was interesting. All right. So Riley, remember we had this whole thing last last time where he met her family and it, all that went down. So Riley thinks that things ended pretty well between them, even though they had the big blow up fight about the guy texting Violet or whatever. Because at the end of the day, he did meet her family. And the next day they're meeting up to go to the War Remembrance Museum. So they're walking around there and he's really enjoying seeing all the U.S. military hardware. He's a veteran himself um, and so he kind of like knows what a lot of the insignias mean and things like that. But he noticed that Violet's being pretty withdrawn. So she says because she's just confused by Riley because he's either very sweet or very mean. And she also kind of wants to tell him that his behavior from last night wasn't acceptable. So she says that after he left – she does sit him down. After he left, her mom was feeling some kind of way because she thought he was too jealous, that he wanted he was too he wants to be too controlling of her, and most of all, he didn't bring mom a present, and that's super rude and disrespectful. What's up with that? He brought everybody else presents. <laughs> so Riley tries to make some excuses, but pretty quickly says, "Nope, you're wrong. You're, I was I was wrong. I I, I should have figured that out." Um, but then kind of turns the table on her, like, "When are you going to learn more things about my culture?" Like. It's not okay to tell strangers that you think I'm fat and ugly. Like no matter how much of a joke that is. Um, she seems genuinely surprised that he like was upset by that because in Vietnam it isn't unusual at all. You know, she says she calls her friends ugly. She calls her daughters ugly. Oh, oh and, God. Yeah. And he just, and he get, he says, okay, I get if you're, you know, joshing people or, you know, joking around with them in private, but in public, mm, that's no good for me. Right. And he also – Added on to that, his feelings were compounded by this because he feels really out of place. He doesn't like that he's the only dark-skinned man around and she's going around calling him ugly to everybody. Like he it, – it almost – he didn't use the term but it almost feels like a racial slur. Um, mm. So she never really thought about that <laughs> and so she does apologize and says she like, you know, won't do that again. So he says they both have a lot to learn. And he's willing to try, so maybe they'll go to dinner tonight. And she says, yes, but is it okay? Communication-wise, is it okay if I wear a sexy dress? And he's like, well, yes. And then it, the first segment ends. So it seems like things are going well, but then we get to the actual sexy dinner. So it's going to be at the rooftop bar of the hotel, and it also doesn't seem like he's learned much about culture because I feel like didn't the first time we meet, she was like, oh, one thing you need to know, never leave me waiting. The man's always supposed to get there first and wait. Well, he mm -hmm. didn't. Yeah. He didn't learn that lesson. She was waiting for him again. So they both compliment how the other one is dressed. You know, he's in like a white suit. She's in her, her sexy dress. And it seemed this, I think, might be their relationship's high water point right here um, because they actually seem excited to be together and into what's going on. So she asked him to tell her more about the culture. Like, well, let's say your family didn't like me. Like, how would that go down? Because in Vietnam, if your family, your family doesn't like your potential partner, then that means they're no longer your potential partner. But he says in America, it's nice to have everyone get along. But at the end of the day, it's his decision and his sister doesn't have any say over it. So he said, she says she's not worried about it because, you know, her and his dad seem to get along pretty well. But that's when he's like, yeah, but you said really mean things to my dad. But – Kind of backs off because I have an agreement for the dinner that neither of them is going to bring up bad things. But 
he's not going to bring up bad things. But that doesn't mean bad things aren't going to be brought up because almost out of nowhere, he kind of goes like, yeah, I want you to meet uh, my friend Tiffany. It's really important. She's an important person to me. So I'm going to FaceTime her right now. And he does. And Tiffany is someone that we met before that has a lot of problems with Violet. So he hands a phone off to Violet and then says, well, I got to go to the bathroom. You two uh, get to know each other. So he's thinking that Tiffany can get some of the answers out of Violet that he hasn't been able to get. And Tiffany, I don't know, she tries to couch it as a getting to know you quite type thing, but really cuts the crap quite quickly and is like, so I remember how you told uh, Riley he had to get off a dating site, but you stayed on the dating site. What's up with that? Why'd you do that? That seems like bullshit. So (laughs) at this point, Riley comes back and Violet is just like, looking at the phone and then looking at him being like, what are you serious with this? What? And he's like, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? You're talking to my friend, answer her. But Violet clearly knows this is just a trap that Riley has set up and is, doesn't want to answer. And that's actually the last we see. So (laughs) I just can ask you, how would you react if your potential partner put you on the phone with their friend, dipped out, and then their friend started asking you like, ridiculous questions about how this relationship was going yeah i don't know if i would feel obligated to answer like violet i mean i feel like i would probably just say that's between me and my partner and if my partner has those kinds of questions they can ask me Hmm. yeah yeah i mean it, the the thing about that was is especially the way this this phone conversation came up i'm pretty sure violet was like oh this is you playing stupid games and getting other people to ask me questions for you. Like, right. You know, which is just dumb. But at the same time, I feel like he has asked her and she didn't answer. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, He was not satisfied with her answers, whatever they were. Yeah. I don't know if she kind of changed. He says she gets around and changed this, changes the subject. I bet if you asked her, she would say she answered it, but not to his satisfaction. Right, because in a situation like that, like, that's difficult because it's like – and I feel like there's been other, like, couples on the show that have done things like that where it's like the person either doesn't believe the answer or thinks there's something more to it. So then they get their friends to ask them the same question, right? Thinking yeah. that somehow, you know, like – they can compare inconsistencies or, you know, why would the, why would your partner be more honest with your friend? I don't your know. Random That's so weird to me. friend who's in interrogation mode than you. Like, you it know, makes it's sense like, that they what be, are they going to find? Yeah, it makes more sense. Couldn't. It makes more sense that they'd be open with their own friends for sure. Yes. Right? Yes. But so if like, you were to ask their friends like, oh, what did this person say about this? Then yeah, I could see that. That's way more likely to get an answer than, oh, yeah, here's this third party person that you have zero obligation to be honest with. Yeah, right. and, and they're going to somehow wrangle the answer out of you. Yeah, as if you don't know whatever you say to this friend, they're going to immediately tell your partner. Like, right. <laughs> we know they all know that. Like, if I say something bad, it's getting back to them. Like, what do you think? It's, they're going to keep it in confidence? Of course not. That's It's such a weird it, – it's such a weird – trick to pull anyway and let alone to be like i couldn't i don't know that i could like that's as someone's friend to be like i want you to uh interrogate my partner about some of the doubts we have i would be like right. um i'm not doing that no like you absolutely yeah. i will i will sit if you want me to sit in the room with you while you do that so that things don't get out of hand i will do that i am not asking your partner questions on your behalf because you have doubts like right, I, I, my, right. obviously my advice would be like I think you should probably break up with them. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I want you to do that. I, I can't even imagine saying yes to doing that. That's so – it's such a weird thing. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, let's see. Who do we have now? I think that's the last one. I was Yeah, last one. And this was – like, I, I saved it for last for a reason. So it's Christian and Cleo, who is, again, two people that you have never seen. Yeah, I've never seen these people. Never seen either of them. So we meet Christian and Cleo the morning after his first night with her. So he feels a little bit bad that he just kind of gave her a kiss and then completely crashed. And they, but they do talk about who cuddled with who over the night. Like they were both took turns being the big spoon and the little spoon while they were asleep. 
So Cleo tells us that she was hoping for a little more physical affection from him because as she describes herself as being pretty clingy. So she starts off the morning by by taking her hormones, which unlike in the US where hormones are generally administered by pill, she has a topical gel that she rubs into her arm, which I thought was fascinating. Like I didn't know you could take mm. medicine like that. That sounds awesome. Um, but Christian is confused by this gel because he's like, wait, can I not touch your arm now? And like stuff. And she even makes a crack. She'd be like, no, you're you, don't worry about it. I rubbed in the gel. You're not going to turn into a trans woman. It's fine. Um, so he still is like, eh. so they feed the cats and then Cleo asks what he wants to do today. So he doesn't really have a plan. Um, his plan is literally, I don't know. I guess we'll just like check out London. So that's not a great answer for Cleo because we also have to remember that she is autistic and she really, as like most autistic people, really, really likes her routines and really, really likes to know what's going on. Um, but but she still is going to be like kind of going with swinging the way he's swinging because she doesn't want it to get in the way of a good time. So, of course, they kind of have this same um, montage of them seeing all the sights, you know, like they are Parliament, there's Buckingham Palace, there's the Tower Bridge, all the London places. So after dark, they go to the bar, uh, some bar in the Thames for their first date. So he apologizes for not doing more last night. He was just tired, you know, and she jokes that, you know, whatever, I wasn't going to sleep with you on the first date anyway. Ha ha ha. But the bar they're at is a pretty quiet bar. The two of them have a couple drinks and then Christian starts the blab about like, well, you know, when I usually go out, like, you know, I drink, like I'll have like two or three of these, like another whiskey. And then we start doing karaoke and dancing. Like he spends a lot of time talking about how much he drinks when he goes out in this oh episode. God. Um, how he likes to karaoke and dance. And he's like, well, what about you? Do you like to dance? And of course, no, no, she doesn't like crowds. She doesn't like, no, it's no, she doesn't know. It's not her thing. So, but he's clearly, he's getting bored. He's bored at this bar that they're at. And so he wants to go find something a little livelier and hoping that, you know, if they find something like that, he's going to get her to come out of her shell and make her feel a little more confident in this. It'll oh, make God. him feel more confident in the relationship if she does so. Yeah. So they go <laughs> They go to a different bar that's much more Christian speed. There's lots of like decorations and lights and you know union jacks up all over the place and there's music playing and it's he loves it. He's like this is great. This is like my personality and bar form. But Cleo thinks it's small and crowded and you can see almost immediately she's starting to get sensory overload. She's kind of doing that like like rubbing her head, like temples, like things, like her, her routines or whatever that she does when things start to get too much. So they get their drinks and he really, really seems like he wants to get at least buzzed really quickly. He's like, do you mind if I drink like a lot of this right away? I want to get like – I want to get ready for that, whatever and I don't know why. Um so then he tells her, you know, things are crazy. Like you wouldn't believe it. Like on the plane, this is how things are with me. And then tells her a story about how on the plane to England to see her, he was, as he just says, kind of drunk. But I think he was really drunk on the plane oh, God. and like was couldn't find his seat on the way back because it was dark and he was drunk and their planes are big and like couldn't really figure out where his seat was. And then just started talking to these random and he's like, I don't know, they were young. They were like 21 years old. And we just started talking and he sat down on this, there's an empty seat next to him. So we were just talking there. Um, and then was like, and then I decided, well, maybe I'll go back and get us a nightcap. But like when he went back to the uh, flight attendant to ask for drinks, the flight attendant literally cut him off like he was at a bar. She was like, no, I've heard of you. I'm not giving you any drinks. <laughs> he was like, what? Heard of me? He was like, and then kind of wants Cleo's opinion of this story. So she's like, that – Sounds creepy. Uh, I don't know why you told me that story. So he that gets him backpedaling really quickly when she more or less calls him a creep. And he's like, well, no, I would I would, I would, never done that sort of thing with you on the plane. But then she's like, so it's supposed to make me feel better that you would do it behind my back but not in front of me? And he's like, well, no, no, it wasn't behind your back. And she's like, but it was? <laughs> so is that something you do all the time? That kind of thing? And he's like – well, yeah, I just make friends all the time. I'm just a magnetic uh, personality like that. Yeah. So she's definitely not impressed at all. So before long enough, we see him at the bar just kind of turning around to the people behind him. And it was like, hey, 
you guys celebrating something? And like one of the girls is like, well, yeah, it's my birthday. He's like, your birthday? Well, how old are you? And she's like 26. So he manages to horn in on this conversation, on their celebration, talks about how he's just a good old Midwestern guy. You know, not all Americans are cowboy hats and 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 guns and stuff. And it's like, uh. And then oh, he does this. You know how that thing, he tries to like break into their circle a little bit. And Cleo is like staying where she is kind of far away. And he's like, well, come on, come on, come on, get closer. And she's like, no. Like, no. And she tells us that she has a difficult time processing information when a lot of people are talking at the same time. So she'd just as soon keep her distance. It's not about being shy. It's the fact that she's autistic. Ugh. So soon she tells him she it, she needs to go home. So before they go, he chugs the rest of his drink and they leave out. So it seems like he was trying to show her. I don't know. Well, let's see what you think it was. So they just leave out. So what in the hell was this guy doing? Like, I don't know. He's trying to show her that he's a party boy, you yeah. know, because he's looking for a party girl. And that is not her. Like, this is no. a very mismatched couple um, and they're not going to last. They are yeah. not going to last. He just seems like someone who's like, oh, no, she doesn't like that because she's never done it with me. I bring people on board. I'm an includer. I will like it, when it's me there, she'll get yeah. it. And it's like, no. And again, this isn't about her being shy or being afraid to put herself out there. It's the fact that she's autistic and gets sensory overload at this stuff. It's a medical condition, dude. Like, what the hell? Like, this is ridiculous. He clearly it, – it really made me angry because he clearly doesn't understand what autism is or how it works no. or listens no. to her about how it works and it's just infuriating. Yeah, he just seems like he's the type of person who wants to be known as the life of the party, regardless if he actually is the life of the party, right? So he's the guy who's like at the party talking about all the crazy, quote, cool things that he's done at a different party or – Oh my god, yes, for sure. Yes. You know, and it's because he wants to lead with that and have the impression like he's the fun time guy. And it's just like that does not seem like it fits her personality at all. So it's like wrong audience, dude. No, I mean, and and he definitely even independent of not respecting um, who she is as a person um, was making me angry because I'm like, all right, you told that airplane story, dude. I'm telling you. I'm telling this person right now, I will, to Christian, there is no chance that those girls wanted to talk to him. They were like, oh my God, why is this drunk guy talking to me? Don't say anything too rude because he might get weird. Just go, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, Uh, Yeah, and that's why Uh the flight attendant has heard about him and cut (laughs) him off. Yes. Because those girls probably reported him. (laughs) Right? And then he does the same thing at the bar. He's just, we've all been to... I know that everybody, but everybody who goes to bars at least reasonably often has the person who tries to break into your group and everybody's just like, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, all right, we're going to go over here now. <laughs> and then they like, yeah. all of a sudden they pop up again and you're like, hi. <laughs> and you're like, please, let's get this person to leave us alone. <laughs> Why don't this person just leave us alone? And that just right. explains what Christian is. Like, and you take a picture of that night. It's like, who is that guy? Oh, that's the guy that wouldn't leave us alone all night. That guy. Who, but I'm sure I'm positive that every time I've had that experience at a bar, that person the next day is like, oh man, I just like, I'm, I'm meeting up with random people and making friends all the time. I'm such a, I'm such a lively, energetic person. I'm like, oh my God, we just wanted you to leave us alone. (laughs) That's Christian. That's Christian in my head. That's my canon for who he is. Uh, Yeah, for sure. All right. So that is everybody we saw. Um, we did not see Amanda and Rosman, which is two weeks in a row we didn't see them. So I don't know if there's going to be much going on, which doesn't surprise me because it seems like everybody's bored by Amanda. Um, and then we also did not hear from David and Sheila this time. Okay. So, all right. So that gives us students of the week and all that stuff. So I, for my student of the week, um, I am going to go. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go the other way I did last time and I'm going to give it to Violet because she seemed to actually listen to what her partner said, especially when it came to the stop calling me ugly and fat, right? And then also she seemed to actually try to make improvements this time and this time it was Riley that was like, here, let me throw a grenade on this relationship for no reason. Um, So I thought she did a pretty good job communicating this time. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I just it's hard. It's hard. This is the last time that we're gonna be doing this kind of format. Yeah, hopefully sure. ever. You're just I'm saying it. I'm you're like, like that sounds reasonable what's going to me. On. Yeah, yeah, sure, that does. It sounds reasonable to me. Uh, yes, next week I will have actually watched the episode, so I'll have a little bit more sense. Because yeah, yeah well, also, I also feel like I don't know if you're going to catch up with some of the old episodes because then you could be yes, like, what I'm going to Mr. O'Say. This is not how I cook yeah. that same that same thing you right. saw, right? Right. right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try my best to catch up on, I think it's three episodes that we've done yes, this. So this is the third one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's not and too so, bad. I have like over a week to do it. So. Yeah. And and so, I mean, as was, pr- I think, pretty, pretty dead giveaway the way I read, the, the way we read them and everything. I'm Christian's my dunce. Like, what yeah. is this? Like, you can't force your partner into, and I tend to find this with extremely extroverted people, right? They just think that the introverted people or the non-neurotypical people that they met just haven't been with them. That's why they haven't had fun doing this stuff. It's me. I'm special. Of, of a, I'm a special person that everybody loves when they go out. And it's like, no, like she is, she's not neurotypical. Like she does not, you cannot, you have to listen to what she says and respect what she says when she's like, this is overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed in crowds. And be like, he literally was like, I just wanted to come more out of her shell. And it's like, then you want a different person. Like, right, you just don't want to be right. with this person. So Christian yeah, was my it does seem, Yeah, it does seem like a weird, like, why are you into this person to begin with? Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense to me because I think a lot of I, – I, it's very different when you get somebody into a social setting or a bar setting, Right. Than, than it is one-on-one because he probably is pretty outgoing and he probably does crack jokes and is like, you know, affable when they're when they're one-on-one. But she just can't handle how much he wants to go out and how much he wants to be around people, right? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I feel like her personality what, wouldn't attract him. Wouldn't attract him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I definitely – I mean, I, I the unfortunate part about it is I think he is totally into her for cred more than anything else. I'm dating oh, a trans woman who's autistic from England. Like, isn't that like, it's like checks very a lot special of, of me? Yeah, it checks yeah. a lot of boxes. Look at that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess – and then we go my, – my life lesson is eh, – goes with them because it also goes with Misha and um, – I assumed you were just going to, yes, okay, my my class dunce the same way you did. The- oh, yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> much, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, is goes with that. It's like it, it. one of the parts of kind of making up a relationship is coming to a place where you both want to do similar things, right? And, and, and it's a matter of you, you can't. You know, it, when you get together, and I think this is a, an issue we have with most of these couples, this is why it's before the 90 days, is like, what do you do for fun is kind of an important part of a relationship. And you shouldn't like either mislead people or try to force them into something different than they're, than what they're used to. And I see think that kind of came out in the two mismatches we saw between Cleo and Christian and Misha and Nicola, right? Right. Where Misha's right. just like, this is a standard you know, nice night out. We're in a new town. I want to check out the, the scenes. We'll check out a bar or two. And he's just like, I'm bracing myself to go into hell. And it's like those, I don't know how your worldviews can possibly be compatible if you, if just a night out downtown, it brings such different opinions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my life lesson was, uh, I guess, based on what I felt was the most appalling thing that I heard in all your summaries was Violet calling her children ugly. <laughs> and I was like, what? You should never call your children ugly in jest, even if you're serious, if you really do think your children are ugly, just keep that to yourself because no, I mean, you don't need yeah, to my... internalize, have your children internalize that kind of thing because, you know, what they're going to value and really hold what their parents have to say about them, you know, and it's just going to mess them up. Like, just keep yeah. that shit to yourself if you feel that way. I mean, yeah. Yes. I mean, I do. I do 
avoid trying to make any kind of comment about um, my kids' physical appearance because their physical appearance is not what makes me love and care about them at all. And mm. it's not what gives them value, right? Um, and so that's very far down on the list, so I don't say it. However, I do call them turds all the time. I'm like, all oh, right, God. turds, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> I think there's some sort of, you know, way of like – of being, I think it. I think it's more akin to that than being like, "Oh, you're getting a little chubby, aren't you?" Like, I would never say that to my daughter. That's crazy. No. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next week we will be back normal. Uh, I will not be on a boat. Uh, <laughs> we will probably be a day late, though. Um, is okay. my guess, uh, just because I will still be out of town and I won't have a chance to watch it right on Sunday. And then I have work all day on Monday. So I oh, just don't just see it happening. Lots and lots of fun for you. Yes, I don't see it happening. So it, there is a very strong possibility it will be Tuesday. We'll try on Monday, but... Yeah, I'm coming right. back on Monday, so that's the other challenge. Yeah, so. that's going to be tricky. That's going to be tricky. Yeah. We'll, so just, Tuesday, we'll just go for Tuesday. Yep. Yes. So next week, we'll be back on Tuesday. So until then. All right. See everybody then. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye.